Hello everyone, I'm Dalton Burdett. And I'm Hannah Heiler. And we are the Movie Knights. Well, some of them. If you're watching this because you want to hear our uncensored, unfiltered thoughts and opinions on the world of movies and entertainment, so kick back, relax, and the Movie Knights Roundtable begins now. Well, as you guys can see, Nick is not here today. He is on a little vacation with his girlfriend, Morgan. And Love which you, is, Morgan. Yes, they are awesome. They're on a little vacation. And so we have Hannah filling in today. Thank you for coming on. You're welcome. I'm happy. Yeah. It's big shoes to fill. Yeah, it, was a, it was a long trek from the other room. It was. It? You know, I feel like I'm always hibernating in there. Yeah. So it was It was a really big ask to get me to come up here. I know. So. I know. We had to we sign a lot it. of contracts. It was a, it was a whole thing. <sighs> But we made it. That's we made it. We made it. That is what's important. So <laughs> we're going to kick off the show with the movie news section of our show where we kind of dive into the trades and bring you, the people, the news of what's going on in the world of movies. Hannah, what do you got for us first? All right. So our first story for today comes from Deadline. Uh, Sony Pictures and 21 Laps have enlisted Andrew Barrier and Gabriel Ferrari of Ant-Man and the Wasp as the screenwriters for their buzzy feature Gnomes. Based on the breakout horror short, following Sony's acquisition of film rights earlier this month in a competitive situation, the original film watches as a girl stumbles into the territory of a killer gnome tribe while they're <laughs> while out on her daily run, finding herself in grave danger after being lured in by its mysterious glowing mushrooms. Yes, so I've actually <laughs> never seen the original short, but it sounds amazing and I'm going to after this. But And I believe the director of the short is going to be directing the feature. But they just got the Ant-Man writers to go on and do this. And I think this is great. Well, one, we know I love horror. Two, I love when people who make short films get to make feature films. You know, David F. Sandberg, Damien Chazelle. Like, love those stories. And uh, I am going to go watch the short, like I said, after this. But I thought this was just really interesting. Like, when I read that description, I'm like, I'm all about this. I, I, again, I haven't seen the short, so I don't know if it leans into comedy, if it's just straight up horror. Like, I'm very curious, and I really, really want to see this movie now. What are your thoughts on this whole thing? I feel exactly the same way. As I kept reading, it kept getting more and more insane, but in the best way. Um, I feel like since Megan has come out, well, I mean, I not say directly it. Megan. What? Malignant. Sure, I guess we'll say Malignant. But I bet yes. my first thing that came to mind was Megan. But I feel like just like off the walls like crazy horror movies are are in and do and i'm not mad about it no me neither i am i am loving every second of it and i i think with this news what i'm most excited about is like ant-man and the wasp the writers getting another go (laughs) because i i haven't followed their careers i don't know if they've done anything really since but you know good for them and i'm really happy for the uh, director of the original short film I think it's going to be really, really fun. What do you guys think about the Gnomes movie happening based on the famous short with the Ant-Man and the Wasp writers? Let us know in the comments as we move on to our next story. Hannah, what do you got for us next? Our next story also comes to us from Deadline. Uh, following his Oscar-nominated role in Minari and scene-stealing part in Nope, Stephen Yen is continuing to show his range as he is now looking to add a Marvel movie to his resume. Sources tell Dead- Deadline Yen is set to join Marvel Studios' Thunderbolts in a part that is not only significant to the film but could also play a role going forward in future films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, this is exciting for many reasons. Mostly, I love Steven Yen. Um, I still am not fully caught up on Minari. I've only seen bits of it. I haven't finished it, which is like, and I hate when I start a movie and can't finish it. It was not on purpose. 
And um, but I loved him in The Walking Dead. I loved he. There, what other performance did I see recently? Oh, Nope. Loved him in Nope. Thought he was an excellent addition. He's a fantastic actor. So I'm happy like when an actor or a performer I really love or I think really deserves it gets into the MCU because it's like not only is it a paycheck, but it's like man, you are in the pop culture zeitgeist. I mean, he already was a little bit, but like still. And according to the article, you know, playing a role that's integral to the MCU, that's exciting. You know, it's not just going to be one of these one-offs like, oh, I did a Marvel movie one time. Like, apparently he is in it. There's some speculation that he might be playing Century, which is like a Superman-type character in the Marvel Universe. I'm about it. Uh, Granted, this is not confirmed. It's just a rumor going around. But whatever character he ends up playing, I'm excited for Steven Yen. I think he's great. What do you think about this? I could agree more. I love him. Nope was incredible. Like, he was a supporting role, I would say. But he's, like they said, stole the show. Mm -hmm. He absolutely killed it. And, you know, I think he's, whatever, you know, role he ends up playing, whether it's a hero, a villain, whatever, um, I think he's got the range that, you know, whatever they put him in, he's going to be able to to kill it. Um, I also just love that Marvel is uh, collecting these, you know, really great actors. Like, they're, I mean, I feel like they've always done that, but it just, you know, they they have a a uh, they care about adding talent to these movies and mm-hmm. um, for the rest of these phases that they're doing like they're like they said that this is going to be like uh, a huge role that could go on probably multiple movies and they're putting someone as good as him in it it just is nice to see that they're I don't know making an effort yes we yes. love to see it we do love to see it and we love to see Steven Yen and more things just put him in everything exactly if I, if he was like a Stan Lee but for Every movie, every <laughs> movie it. ever, not we just Marvel, just every movie ever. He just kind of pops up. I would love that. It's like, where's Waldo? Like you're but watching a movie and you're just like, where's Steven? Yet? Where's Glenn? Where's Glenn? <laughs> Where is he? Yes. that's. But he has to wear the hat from, from he, Nope. He does. That's he has it. to. He has to. Or um, else, what's the point? Exactly. What is the point? I'm all bo- on board. Yes. What do you guys think of Steven Yen joining Thunderbolts and potentially more stuff in the MCU? Let us know as we move on to our next story. Hannah, what do you got for us next? Our next story comes from Variety. HBO Max's parent company has filed a lawsuit that accuses Paramount Global of reneging on parts of the $500 million licensing deal set in 2019 for the streaming rights to episodes of South Park. The suit alleges that Paramount blatantly intended to prop up Paramount Plus at the expense of Warner slash HBO and that Paramount engaged in multiple and flagrant duplicitous contortions of fact and breaches of contract. Yeah, so this is quite a big story, and it's not directly movie-related. It's more of a TV show. However, one, this is all of entertainment news, so uh, get fucked if you don't like it. (laughs) And two, this could lead to bigger implications in the wide world of movie news. So basically, if you dive into the article, I'll kind of give you the spark notes. Uh, HBO Max and Warner Media signed a deal with Paramount, who had made a deal with MTV, to get streaming rights to South Park. And part of that agreement was about three seasons of 10 episodes each. They've gotten maybe 10, 11 episodes total from that agreement. And Paramount Plus has gotten like four original movies. So basically what HBO is accusing them of is, hey, we paid all this money to license this property. And you told us we'd be getting a certain amount. But instead of giving us that amount, you're using it for yourself to prop up your own service with the money that we gave you. Yikes. That's not good. Now, Paramount alleges, of course, that... Oh, I killed Tobey Maguire. 
<laughs> no. Paramount alleges that, of course, that it's it's false. That they're you know they're full of shit, basically in layman's terms, and they're going to be fighting the suit. But what I think this is in- indicative of, especially with it coming from Warner Media and HBO Max, is we've seen Zaslav and HBO Warners do this move where they are. T- penny pinching taking things very seriously with streaming if it doesn't perform well it's getting pulled and it's getting put onto an ad platform and just in general we're seeing a lot of streaming stuff just get pulled some without a home at all which is horrible it's awful with now them looking at all of their contracts going you find ways where something is wrong and we can get our money back on this I think it speaks a lot to the leadership over there and kind of the direction they're going. What are your thoughts on this big whole rabbit hole? And will you finally watch South Park because of it? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I will not watch South Park. <laughs> but they, they wrote Book of Mormon. I do love Book of Mormon. I love... Then you would love South I Park. I don't think so. I, I, I think it's one-to-one. No. I think it's one-to-one. I think you should at least watch the movie, the original South Park movie, like the bigger, longer, uncut movie. It's fantastic. I think you'd like it. I'll think about it. There's musical numbers in it, if it helps. Okay, you should have led with that. There you go. That's There you go. That, you know, then now I'm interested. Okay, perfect. I, uh, mm, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I'll watch it. Um, no, that's, uh, thank you for explaining that. I, I don't really have a lot of context uh, when it came to this, but um, very interesting that we're getting... Uh, so particular with you know every single uh streaming services and that and it's weird you know that with how many streaming services we have now the like the picking and choosing of different content and what goes on what platform and the i don't know it just feels very like nitty-gritty so um this is just you know an interesting uh evolution of the, the streaming wars if you will um i'll be interested to see what happens in the end yeah, no, it's it's fascinating, and I wonder if we're going to see more stories like this pop yeah. up, especially with, like, bigger IP properties yes. and stuff like that going forward. So we'll have to see. And I think, I don't know this, I think what Paramount's argument is going to be is you paid for the South Park library, which can be seen as more valuable than the new stuff. Interesting. I think that that's what they're going to go with, hmm. personally. I don't, I don't know this, but I yeah. think that that might be the argument that they lead with. Anyway, guys, crazy lawsuits going on. What do you guys think about this? Please let us know in the comments as we move on to our final story, and I'll introduce this one, and it's just because uh, the SAG Awards happened uh, just uh, yesterday at the time of this recording, and um, the Oscar race is really shaping up. It's my favorite time of year, and on the next show, when Nick is back, we're going to be that's going to be our Oscar predictions show. It's my favorite show of the whole year. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't wait. It's Christmas. It's I swear. Christmas. I'm at the Oscar party. I'm having homemade tiramisu delivered to the house. <laughs> it's going to be exciting and amazing and I won't take a year late to upload the reaction video this time. It happens, you know. But There's some interesting stuff shaping up in the Oscar race now because of the SAG winners. And basically, what had happened, everything everywhere all at once swept every category they were nominated for. The only award they didn't win was Stephanie Hsu for Supporting Actress because Jamie Lee won for Supporting Actress. So, that's a lot. Of course, they were not nominated for Best Lead Actor, which did go to Brendan Fraser, and that race is heating up. Fraser. Thank you. I was going to correct you, but I didn't want to be that person. The race is heating up because Austin Butler won the BAFTA. Brendan Fraser won this. He also won the Critics' Choice, but then Austin Butler won the Golden Globe. So it's like bam, 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 bam. I'm on the edge of my seat. Whole thing, right? It's going to be interesting with that one. But 
in regard to everything everywhere all at once it's always been kind of in the lead for best picture maybe even best director now but now with jamie lee curtis winning best supporting actress from sag and a lot of those voters carry over the argument could be made that her chances are a lot better now now do i think she's going to win right now and i have the reserve the right to change my answer by next week no Hmm. but I now, my number two spot, because with the game we play, if you're fans of the show, you know, we get two <laughs> little picks. My number two spot is open now because I don't know who I'm going to put there because I thought James, I, I thought I had the two it was going to be. Now I'm like, oh shit, what should I put for that second place, you know? So it's going to be interesting, but the Oscars get a surprise every year. Always. Every year. So who, maybe it's this one. I wouldn't chalk it up as crazy if... Jamie Lee was the surprise that they had this time, so I don't know. But then, of course, we also have Kihu Kwan winning Best Supporting Actor, and he's going to fucking win. I hope so. Now I'm worried. No, he's going to win. He, I am, now, if that was, if that happened at the Oscars and he didn't win, that would not just be a lost of light. Hello? That would not just be a shock. That would be a crazy. A crime. Crime and surprise. With the magic of editing, when it cuts back to her, the light's going to be on. And the big one, though, Michelle Yeoh, who yeah. has like three award shows in a row now, won. And Kate Blanchett was the front runner, and she's phenomenal in Tar. I think Michelle Yeoh's my favorite to win now. Really? I do. Because maybe Andrea Riseborough took away some Kate Blanchett votes. And that would be a hell of a surprise, too, if Andrea Riseborough won. That would be fucking oh, crazy. Oh, my God. But. I think Michelle Yeoh is now the front runner for that category. And I think Everything Everywhere just showed they're a force to be reckoned with. But here's the question I want to pose to you. Sure. When a movie starts to get gain universal love, people just start hating it for no reason <gasps> and give it backlash. And some in that even that doesn't that extends to Oscar voters as well. Where they'll be like, ah, that's winning everything. Let me show some love to this movie. Do you think that could affect it or do you think this is a sign of a tale to come? Hmm. When does voting close for... Voting opens this Friday. Oh, and how long is it open? A week. It's only open a week? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, for some reason that was already happening. Um, I don't think people are going to hate this movie. I don't think so. And maybe that's me being naive or something like that. But I feel like it has the CODA effect of last year mm-hmm. where it won a... Coda won a. It didn't sweep, but it definitely won. It won a best picture and screenplay. In not like Oscars, but like the the follow ups, like the BAFTA, the SAG, the yeah, it won a few of them. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and it didn't get any hate. I feel like it has the Coda effect in that it was universally loved. Mm-hmm. Like there was very very rare criticism of it. I yeah. haven't heard any criticism yet of of um, everything everywhere, and and maybe it's a testament to the actors not necessarily the movie but their campaigns all of them have been incredible like you want to root for them yeah you know Kwan, Mm -hmm. the whole situation with michelle yo and jamie lee curtis when she won and Mm -hmm. you know jamie lee was like cheering like they've i mean i think that they're just nice people and i don't think it's a show but they have been campaigning very well for themselves Mm -hmm. and making both themselves and their movie highly likable yeah that you know people could hate it for no reason sure i just i don't see it i don't know and plus this this film was so emotional and so i feel like it messed with people's heartstrings and stuff that a movie like that i again i feel like it's i feel like you just can't hate it 
You know? And, and I, I don't even think they're going to hate the movie. I think they've already all seen the movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's, will they do the thing of like, it, eh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give love to a movie that hasn't gotten the spotlight yet. But this is a prime movie that deserves the spotlight. Of course, yes. Because, because it's the underdog. Like, yeah. yes, it's mm-hmm. won a bunch of films up to here and you're saying it's sweeping, yes. But all of the nominees are first time, right? Mm-hmm. Is Michelle Yeoh, right? I Most of them are. Oh, most of them, right? Mm-hmm. They're not, you're, it's not Clay, uh, Kate Blanchett, right? Who's yeah. been nominated 800 times. Yeah, who's won um, twice. Who's won twice, right? Uh, like, it's it's an underdog story that, you know, if it was, I don't know, some... I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but someone who's won like countless times. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep mm-hmm. versus um, an underdog, even though maybe, not saying that, I don't know, people love an underdog and even though it's sweeping, I still think that the voters are going to go with the underdog when it comes to something But like in this. which categories? Because it's not sweeping, I can tell you that. Sure. Where, where I think you're right is Best Picture. I do think right now, Everything Everywhere is my number one for Best Picture to win. Yeah. My number two is Top Gun Maverick. Bold. Just because, one, it would be awesome. <laughs> Why? It, would, it just would. And two, um, let's go to another award show, the PGA Awards, the Producers Guild of America Awards. Yeah. Guess who got nominated, or not nominated, presented an award as a lifetime special achievement and a thank you. Tom Cruise for producing movies. Mm. He is a producer on Top Gun Maverick, and there's a whole narrative going around that Top Gun Maverick saved the movie business, even with a viral video of Steven Spielberg hugging Tom Cruise saying, Top Gun saved Hollywood. It's a good story. I'm not saying it's going to win. I'm just saying right now, no shit. It's my number two. That is a good story. You know what? It's going to upset me. What's that? Banshees isn't going to win anything. Why do you say that? I think it's going to be The Irishman, where it got oh. all the nominations and it just doesn't win. Jenny deserves a nomination. Maybe Screenplay. Maybe Screenplay. screenplay? Because yeah. no, Everything Everywhere is also nominated, but I think it's going to get director and picture and editing. And I think maybe as like a good job to Banshees, they're going to give it. Screenplay? Yeah. You think Colin Farrell has a chance? He's slowly slipping out. But, really? But if there's going to be a surprise, because there is at every show, how crazy would it be if Colin Farrell I just know. out of nowhere won? That would be crazy. My like crazy prediction would mm-hmm. be not Brendan. Uh, God, sorry. Not Colin, but would be uh, um, the supporting actress for Banshees and beating Carrie Angela Condon? Bassett. Yeah. Listen. I think that listen. would be the one. She's my number two. Number two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, she was great. That would be crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, would my be. God, I'm stressed. Yes. See, it's so fun. It's so exciting. We're going to dive into it a whole lot more on the next show. But this certainly does change the game for everything everywhere. They are the clear front runners going into Oscar voting. What do you guys think about these SAG winners? And do you think that they can affect what's going to happen in the future in two weeks at the Oscars? Let us know in the comments as we move on to the box office. The box office section of our show uh i love doing the box office section of our show i like looking at what's making money and kind of breaking down what it could mean for everybody and let's look i don't have the predictions nick has the predictions but i can tell you that we were probably wrong so coming in number one was ant-man and the wasp quantumania shocking making 31.9 million dollars coming in number two cocaine bear making 23.2 million dollars Coming in third was Jesus Revolution, making $15.8 million. 
Coming in fourth, Avatar The Way of Water, making $4.8 million. Coming in fifth, Puts in Boots The Last Wish, making $4.1 million. Now, let's dive into a little bit of the numbers here. So far, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania has made $362 million worldwide on a budget of what I'm guessing is around 200. It's probably around 200. So it's probably going to make around 500 to break even. It should get there, but it should be noted, it had the second biggest drop in MCU history from Weekend 1 to Weekend 2. It By dropped. What? I don't remember what number one was. Mm. It dropped 70%. Oh my god. Now, should be pointed out, a 60, 60s range is no, typical for MCU films because they open so high. And every if all your people go to see it the first weekend, it's going to drop. But 70 is steep. That is pretty steep. That's a big number. And by the way, I want to point out, these are the final Monday numbers because we are recording on Monday this time. That's crazy because the second week is always uh, word of mouth. Yes. So that sucks for Ant-Man yeah. that people saw it and then said, hey, I don't... But to be fair, I think with it. positive word of mouth, it would have made six, probably dropped 67 to 65. Sure. But that extra five can make or break things. Uh, Cocaine Bear, total worldwide, has $28.5 million. And I don't remember what the budget was, but I know it's not crazy high. So if it, if it continues to do well... Here's the problem, though. With movies recently in the pandemic, we could say, oh, this movie could last for a couple weeks because there's nothing coming out. March is fucking stacked with movies. Stacked. Finally. <laughs> I'm so happy about it. But, yeah, so a lot's going to determine on how good movies are and how well they open now. Thank God. I'm happy we got some crazy movies back back again yeah uh jesus revolution i believe only opened in the u.s and it has a total of 15.8 million dollars um avatar the way of water is now at 2.267 billion on a production budget of 460 million dollars and it has made 4.9 times its budget back my god that is how you do it (laughs) that's how you do it guys and uh, also, Puss in Boots' Last Wish has now crossed $444 million worldwide. Good for Puss in Boots. I cannot wait to watch that movie. As soon as it drops on Peacock, I am watching it because all of my friends keep telling me it's an amazing movie. And for the fun of it, I'm going to dive into Magic Mike's Last Dance. <laughs> it's your favorite. <laughs> I love that movie, which worldwide made $47.8 million so far. It's probably going to go a little bit over 50 maybe maybe max 65 because I know they're already putting it on digital. So, yes, that is the box office. I am going to make uh, some predictions for next week. Do you want to make predictions, too, or do you want to kind of... Yes, I do. Right. I always make them at home. Okay, cool. What's and going... I'm never right. All right, cool. What's what's opening number one next week? Uh, What comes out? <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, Creed 3. Oh. And Operation Fortune. Oh. Um. Creed? Mm. Wait, how much did Ant-Man make? 31. Yeah, I think Creed. Okay, my prediction. Wait, do you want to go first? No, you can go. Okay. Creed. Mm-hmm. Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Operation Fortune. Okay. What was the Jesus movie? Jesus Revolution. Okay, no. Avatar Puss in Boots. No, wait, Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear Avatar. Okay, that's pretty, that's pretty steep. Let me look at something real quick. I want to see what the first two creeds opened to. So the first creed opened to $29 million. Creed 2 opened to 35 
So I think I think you're on the right track there. I'm telling but you. no Stallone. But Michael B. Jordan. But will that affect the older people who love Rocky, who is part of that 35 million? But Jonathan Majors. The young audience is going to watch the movie. But how much of that audience was the young audience is the question. I think it's most. But what does this mean? Because there has been drama with Creed 3. <gasps> However, I am going to agree. I think Creed 3 will crack out over Ant-Man because I think Ant-Man's going to go down to a probably like 15. Right. So I'm going to go Creed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something bold. Ooh. Creed 3 number one. Cocaine Bear number two. <gasps> Ant-Man number three. Which is stupid of me, but I'm going to... I have faith in Cocaine Bear. Word of mouth. Uh, Avatar number four. Operation Fortune number five. You think that low? Yeah. But Abby Plaza. Yes, but it's been delayed like four times. And like, no one knows the movie's coming out. Like, it's just going to sneak up on them. Like, they're going to go, oh my God, there's a new Guy Ritchie movie out. And then that's that's it. Like, before this movie has come out, they've already released a trailer for the next Guy Ritchie movie. Mm. Like, it's almost like, we're just moving on. Yes, but I think that their marketing push for the past, honestly, like two weeks has been pretty impressive. I have to admit, I did not know this was a movie like last week, uh-huh. but I swear I've seen those ads everywhere. Mm-hmm. So sometimes this last push is enough to get people to go. Plus with how big Aubrey Plaza is right now, she's a huge name and people know Guy Ritchie. I don't know. I think it's going to do better than I don't think. think movie stars do shit for the box office anymore. <gasps> and I think that this movie could stick around. Like if the movie's good... I think it could open at five and stay at five for weeks. But I don't think it's going to open above five. Like right now, the number five movie was four million. I think it might open to slightly more, maybe eight. Hmm. And then I think everything else would be more than that. Okay. Agree to disagree. Oh, well. (laughs) Oh, well. Well, guys, that's the box of a section of our show. And with that... We are going to move on to the movie review section of our show. And this time, only I've seen the movie. Wait, no, you saw Cocaine Bear. Yeah, I did. I had a moment of like, wait, I was there. What movie did you see that I didn't see? I love Cocaine Bear. (laughs) That's the review. (laughs) Fade to black, that's it. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I don't know why I forgot you were there. You're saying I'm forgettable? No, I'm just saying most of the time we go to movies, I just look over and you're... That is true. I do fall asleep during every movie. Whatever. But yes, Cocaine Bear, directed by Elizabeth Banks. I liked it. This movie is really fun. It's really funny. It's uh, It has some cool gore, some cool scares, has some great sequences. I don't think it's perfect. Um, one, I think that the movie could have gone crazier and it could have bought it. Like there was, You could tell there was restraint. And I'm like, stop it. Just... It's a cocaine bear. I want to see it happen. <laughs> and uh, But the stuff we did get was great. And my, my biggest complaint with the movie, though, was it would set up things and then take storylines away from the bear. And the moment storylines were away from the bear, I didn't care. Like, mm-hmm. the main actress, played by Carrie Russell, and her daughter have a storyline in this movie. And the beginning is leading to the bear, and I'm interested, and they're good characters. But then the storyline goes away from the bear... And I'm like, I don't care about the lead people in this movie now. I just want to go back to this bear and see what this bear is up to. <laughs> and I think there was a, to me, there was like a script, a point in the script where it could have been fixed. I'm not going to spoil it. Where the mother discovers somebody in a tree. I think if her daughter was also there and the storyline mm. kept it with the bear, I would have been more interested in it. 
I was speaking to a friend at work, uh, Sam, who's also a writer, and she said, I feel like I would have cared about the daughter storyline if the daughter was had, if we saw the daughter get injured or if there was some sort of like physical disability mm. to like, cause the moment like, she, like you see stuff in the movie that it lets you know pretty early on that the daughter's not hurt. Like mild spoilers. You see like she's leaving a trail and it's like the moment you see that it's like, Oh, well, the kid's fine. You know, so it's like, what's the point of this? And I think that it could have gone better back into it. And there's a lot of characters and a lot of storylines in the movie. A lot of them could have been consolidated because there is a lot going on for a movie called Cocaine Bear. <laughs> However, some of the storylines were amazing. I love everything with Alden Ehrenreich and o- O'Shea Jackson Jr. I loved that whole storyline. I thought they were great, especially Alden Ehrenreich. I thought he was excellent. I love him as an actor. Um, Ray Liotta. Rest his soul was really funny and did really well. Oh my gosh, the actor from, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting one of the actors' names who did amazing, and I have to see who it was. One second, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. He did amazing. He played the police officer. Oh yeah, he was amazing in the movie. Um, I also loved the fact that um, the guy from TikTok was in the movie. Uh, Scott Sice. He, he was it. great. He was really good as the paramedic. The paramedic scene was my favorite scene in the movie. I loved it. The one from the trailers. Also, I don't know if you knew this. I'm just finding out this now, but it makes sense because I recognized him. The park ranger, the yeah. dude, that was the guy from Modern Family. Uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Yes, t- Jesse. T- yeah. How did you not know that? I don't know. Oh, my God. I didn't know when I was watching it. Like, he looked familiar. I'm like, oh, he looks like somebody. <laughs> just just now when I was looking up the other guy. I was like, oh, that's the guy from Modern Family. Yes. Fun. But, uh, but yeah, I... Overall, it's a recommend from me. It's not perfect. There's some story stuff. Yes, I'm complaining about story for the movie called Cocaine Bear. <laughs> There's some story stuff that could have flowed better and worked out. For a movie that doesn't have a long runtime, it still felt kind of long, which mm-hmm. I think is indicative of that problem. But overall, I had a great time. I enjoyed Cocaine Bear. What did you think? I couldn't agree more. I loved it. Uh, th- little nitpicky things, yes. Um, but overall, it was very fun. It was very funny. I loved that it knew what it was, didn't take itself seriously. I mean, not that you could take yourself seriously with a movie called Cocaine Bear, but they really, like, uh, leaned into it. Um, I agree that it could have been crazier. Um, lighting. Lost another one. Oh, it's fine. And editing magic. Yeah, overall, I really liked it. Um, it was very fun. You you get exactly what you get in the trailer. Um, I laughed a lot. It Like I said, it doesn't doesn't take itself seriously um overall just go and have fun and watch it and you know have your expectations kind of low and just enjoy it but i would totally recommend keep it. your expectations high it's fucking awesome <laughs> what do you mean have your expectations low it was great it was great i'm just saying like well i guess you know what you're getting yourself into by going yeah. to cocaine bear and what you see is what you get and you're going to be satisfied yeah like don't go in expecting you know citizen kane yeah it's great. It's very fun. I liked it a lot. Yes. So go see it. You know, with it being directed by Elizabeth Banks, you know the one thing this was missing? What's that? Kristen Stewart. <sighs> You're right. <laughs> You're so right. I love Kristen Stewart. You're one of the three people on the planet who liked the Charlie's Angels reboot. I loved it. <laughs> she was great. <laughs> Naomi Scott was great. Mm-hmm. The whole thing was great. I don't care. Who disagrees with me? I'll fight you. I'll watch it right now. Literally. I love that movie. <laughs> I'll go watch it right I, now. I'll I, go buy it on 4K. Do you have it on 4K? <laughs> you better get it on 4K. I'll get it free for your birthday. Don't worry. <laughs> Thank you. It's Thank cinema. You. I'll love it. Yes. Yes. 
But uh, yes, that's Cocaine Bear. You recommend? I would recommend. We recommend Cocaine Bear. And I think that's going to do it for the show. Um, thank you for stepping up again. I really appreciate it. Nick will be You're back welcome. next week. If he still has a job, we might replace him full time. Oh, he did send a message when he was on vacation for you guys. I forgot. Hang on. He wanted me to tell you all. Let me pull it up here one second. Uh, I hate the show. I hate Dalton. Everything sucks. Why the fuck do I keep going on? He just wanted to send that out to send his love to you guys. And uh, so, yeah, that's going to wrap up the show for everyone. That's really sweet. Uh, yeah, he really. It's from the heart. It's from the heart. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Man. So uh, thank you guys so much for watching and we will see you next week.